0: Hello and welcome to New Tricks, the weekly podcast from New Dog PR. I'm Emily Newman
1: and I'm Catherine Doggall. This podcast is a chance to mull over the current goings-on in hotel land, chat to some pleasant folk about things they know and provide some interest for your ears.
0: We've our journalism and communication experience together with our sector knowledge and contacts to create a strategic PR company which understands investing in hotels and the many roles within them.
1: Welcome to the latest edition of New Tricks, where this week we're joined by Tristan Gadsby, CEO and co-founder Alliance. We discuss seeing technology as a way to add value, not cost, the power of chat, and what will happen next to all those
0: former pig processors. Hello, and welcome to another episode of New Tricks, the regular podcast from New Dog PR. Delighted to have everyone with us. We have Catherine from Paris. How is Paris and how is Catherine? It is very lovely today. It is very hot. Uh, Your French is superb.
1: <laughs> it's amazing, isn't it? It's, it's amazing. Really, really, <laughs> really, really, really. I've got mean? some exams next month, and I just, I'm just not going to bother revising, I don't think.
0: <laughs> um, we also have with us a, a regular listeners will be aware that we have a guest, and this week's guest is Tristan Gadsby, who is the CEO and co founder of Alliance. Tristan, thank you for joining us. How are you?
2: Very well, thank you. Yes, uh, looking forward to getting back to work after the end of this summer hiatus that we seem to have had.
0: And summer we shall be talking about much, Lee. How was your summer? Let's start with that.
2: Well, it was a little late arriving. And in fact, uh, it was so late arriving until I made it out of the country because the UK has had probably the worst summer I can remember uh, in forever um but uh, towards the end of august it arrived very nicely and uh, managed to skip away to greece for a week and uh, yeah, deal with all the form filling that you have to do these days i i timed it i think it was about 37 minutes in total per person to uh, do all the forms and get back into the country oh um, good but, timing uh, yeah well, well maybe i could fill out the forms a little quicker if i tried
1: but. And, uh, and did you find that people read your forms or interested in your forms? or <laughs> no. In any way? Well. No. no,
2: no. But one was checked. <laughs> <laughs> so, right. in fact, um, the person I was travelling with, um, as we entered Greece, realised didn't had a, have a form. Uh, so we filled it out in the queue for immigration and it wasn't even checked when we got to the front. But there you go. So, Magic. Yes. Perfect.
0: Was it chuffing hot in Greece?
2: Do you know what? It was hot, but not the forty degrees that people have been describing. So, um, it cooled down a bit. It was about twenty-eight, uh, relatively humid though. So, it was was fairly hot.
0: Marvelous, marvelous. It was very nice. Well, we're delighted to, that you come back. You've had your holidays. You come back for your holidays. All is well. Um, now, as, as you know, because I'm sure you listen to this podcast with enormous regularity, um, we spend about 98% of the podcast talking about biscuits and baked, good, baked goods. Also, recently, we've had the inclusion of crisps into mm. this conversation. Ah, um, from, from, okay. another, from another Greece visitor, I believe. Absolutely. Um, we'll also, obviously, we might talk a little bit about the hotel industry, customer experience, luxury at some point. Biscuit is the customer experience exactly there is a double tree way there's a whole
1: brand just based around a biscuit and having a and, hot drawer which is making sure is,
2: it's warm as you walk in
1: yes exactly hot drawer full of full of warm biscuit, mm.
0: I like the sound there. biscuit. yeah i mean this isn't just thrown together chit chat this is just a stream I I line my,
1: my desk drawer to illustrate that
0: conscious stream of thought here so um tris hit us with it because this is i think controversial what's your favorite biscuit
2: it is the dark chocolate digestive.
0: Oh, I have some in the cupboard right now.
2: <laughs> I have a cupboard full right now.
0: I don't know um, how I try feel not about to eat this. them all the
2: time. Dark well,
0: chocolate, t- please t- do some chat us through this.
2: I think it's slightly less sweet, so slightly bitterer than than the uh, than the milk chocolate variety. I also find they don't melt as quickly as well. So I think there's also not just a taste factor to it. There's also a, uh, a factor of being able to hold it in your hand for more than a millisecond uh, before it creates exactly a going disaster. To say that.
1: They don't slither around.
2: But, do you, do you um, dunk? dunk they, are they, are don't, they don't put on the packet. Do you dunk? I tend not to dunk. I used to be a dunker, so I'm, I'm a former ginger nut addict. Um, mm. So, but uh, you know, I had to give those up. Well. What changed? I don't know. Actually, I stopped eating biscuits for a while. I have no idea God. why. I know wow. my life was empty for you know a good few years there. And, years. Uh, well, yeah, I know. I know. It's terrible, isn't it? Well,
1: welcome back.
2: thank you. What did you do? Re- what did you do in recovery?
1: What did you What did you replace them
2: with?
0: Crank more. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the only not. possible alternative. <laughs> <laughs> like, I can't. We'll get to those stories later. (laughs) (laughs) And maybe episode two.
2: Yes. (laughs) Maybe a whole series, you never know. Oh
0: yeah. (laughs) Spin-off.
2: Hard hitting.
1: (laughs) Hard hitting biscuit alternatives.
0: (laughs) Did you um were there were there any novelty not novelty, were there any foreign biscuits that you enjoyed on holiday?
2: Actually, no. Funnily enough, didn't didn't find i I'm not a particular sweet tooth, so I didn't go through the dessert repertoire that Greece has to offer. Um, but uh, no, I don't. I don't recall any particular biscuits uh, over the entire trip, actually. Chisel.
1: A warm Awful. climate is not always exactly. Conducive, it's not yeah. always best suited to a biscuit. We find and it's more of an ice cream environment, <laughs> isn't
2: it? So. It was probably more liquid actually than than solids. <laughs> as,
1: as long as as long as your hand feels cool when you touch it, that's the important point.
2: <laughs> that's right, and I find that mm. that often happens best when it's been holding a glass of wine or a a, uh, a glass of well,
1: beer. It's, it's practical because, as we see every year, you know, people die from too much heat. <clears throat>
2: it's important to keep yourself
1: safety first
0: (laughs) regulate your heat and stay hydrated absolutely Mm. um right on to show a little chat about the sector that keeps a brief over our heads and in particular perhaps we could talk about technology a subject that you know a smidge about i believe
2: yes i've spent probably the best part of 20 odd years i won't say how many exactly but 20 odd years dealing with yes so i started in technology uh, in fact Developing the technology, and then um, over you know a number of years, have gone more and more into the sort of business side, uh, but always have my uh, technology slant. Uh, I think to things. So, yes, some some experience.
1: So, twenty years ago, were you sitting in in hotels and thinking, "Oh, this is rubbish. Technology could 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 solve this," or how how did it begin for you?
2: Uh, actually, it was a bit later than that, but. Yeah, I did often think, why am I queuing up at the check-in desk? Why is this taking so long? You know, why can't we just be checked in instantly, you know, particularly when travelling on business? You know, it's really frustrating, you know, standing there in a long queue. You know, when you're tired, you've, you know, just been sat in a meeting room in another city somewhere all day and uh, you just want to dump your bags down and and go and explore uh, rather than standing in a queue, you know, waiting for people to be checked in. So yes I guess I did notice I think it really came uh, probably in the mid-2000s where I was actually working for an OTA uh, at the time and to make the OTA profitable hotels were you know really the, the sector but also what was really frustrating is the booking experience and that's you know when bookingcom was start was started and you um, you know, all of those guys uh, were really sort of coming through. It was actually really difficult to to book uh, hotels at that time um, compared to today. And certainly you, you, there was nothing like the variety that you had, you know, available. Um, but actually back then... I
1: was only thinking oddly enough... Oh, sorry. I was only thinking oddly enough this morning that I was trying to remember how it was that one booked hotels... It's a, do you write a letter? Was it a
2: letter? Send a fax. So. I Send a fax.
1: I If I thought to myself, I had stayed in hotels pre OTA, and how did I? How did I get into them?
2: What? It's a,
1: uh, a, a revolution? Normally in, your
2: indeed, travel agency did it for you, and uh, it, yeah, remember those? <laughs> <laughs> and you, you used to call <laughs> them as well. <laughs> yes. Yeah. It's
0: just like
2: the, the land States. that time so forgot. It, it,
1: it exactly. Was. So so much, yeah. much as I've completely forgotten about how to book into a hotel without using an OTA or a direct booking, other paths are available. Um, do you think in in 20 years' time we're going to look back at things like automatic check-in and check-out and room door key, things like that, and think this is completely normal? I wonder how people ever gossed through the door of hotels before.
2: Almost certainly. Um, And when you see, you know, things like Airbnbs using Bluetooth locks to help people get in and out easily, you know, it's heading in probably only one direction. So, you know, I do think, you know, whilst today, you know, it's going to take a while for all the hardware in the hotels to catch up. um, It won't be long before that sort of seamless checking experience is is widely deployed across the whole whole sector. Um, I don't think it makes any sense, you know, not to. Um, and some of the, the phone vendors are working on you know enhanced functionality that even when your phones run out you can actually you're actually still able to unlock uh, the door so um, so there are things like that that will help obviously the sector you know adopt it and uh, and keep going I mean I'm sure we'll always end up with backup key cards you know if you need them um, but uh, there's no reason why they shouldn't be compatible um, you know across across both, um, phone and and card.
1: And how long do you think it will take before like the software part of accepting that service can be improved by all these methods will be something that hotels can understand? I'm sure guests can understand it already.
2: I'm slightly
1: biased. It's available long long take? It, it's, it, the technology exactly. is
2: available now. Um, there's no it reason is, it is. why, you know, it, it is about adoption though. And, and I think, you know, one of the things I've certainly realized spending more and more time working in hotels. It it is about the people. It's about how you get operations to uh, to start adopting these things. How well the procedures are are actually followed and implemented. Uh, so it just takes time. And so the technology is available, um, but by the time the hardware is deployed, and by the time you know across the, the bigger groups, all those uh, processes are deployed, it will take probably five years or so um, before it's fully. Uh, Deployed throughout the industry so and and that's maybe being a little optimistic
0: how much of your life is spent in supporting helping educating the providers the operators in um to say so sort of I guess two points to the question in in getting them to realize and understand that this is a brilliant thing perhaps in response to this question you can sort of elaborate a little bit on exactly what you guys do but but there's a big educational education piece there isn't there in 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 getting on board with it in the first place and then making sure it's properly used after they've sort of decided that this is actually a thing and a goer
2: it's a a very good question I think pre-pandemic it was an awful lot of time um you know the educational Point. why do we need you know contactless check-in why does it need to be that seamless we actually want to talk to the guest you know it's it's why am i deliberately removing a touch point with the guest when actually hotels are looking for different touch points with the guests to either do upsells or or whatever else it may be so you know it was trying to get them to understand you know a little bit about what the customers actually want um the pandemic in many ways obviously has been, you know, very, very hard on the sector. It was hard on us. And I'm sure, you know, everyone in, in the sector has been impacted, but actually it has accelerated that conversation. Uh, so the concept of contactless check-in and, you know, digital itineraries and all those things, you know, that that we provide as a, a vendor, you know, are very much, <clears throat> you know, now seen as a, a way forward, you know, in, in the pandemic. So for us, actually, it's it's been very useful in in terms of accelerating that debate it doesn't get away all the hurdles you know they still you know there's there's still a big um you know debate about how quickly they can adopt these types of technologies and to actually get it right it's generally a combination of you know marketing because uh, the marketing department often leads a lot of these digital uh, initiatives uh, operations obviously uh, but also the technology department um and you know when you start to put a lot of this data you know, onto electronic devices um, and in the cloud, there are a whole heap of security considerations that, that come along with that. So, you know, and, and actually it's the security side, I think, is only just really starting to uh, be understood more widely across the sector. And obviously, the, you know, unfortunately, there have been a few breaches that have, have sort of highlighted that. Um, but to really, you know, get this sort of adoption, you have to address all those all those three areas and, and make sure you get them all right.
1: Yes. I think the one of the interesting things that I enjoyed most about the the different breaches, <clears throat> and I'm going to ignore the Marriott-Starwood one, um, was that they seemed to come in via third parties, didn't they? So it was the people who were operating their hotels. So it wasn't so, it's was like Marriott and other companies, Marriott got all the grief, but it was a third party problem. How do you resolve that? Is it just, is there any way for the the one party to have more control over it? Or should they have more control of it? Is this a result of
2: too much outsourcing or... Well, I think if you look at the sector and then you look at you know the number of vendors they have to deal with to successfully deliver a hotel operation, um, there're always news. going to be multiple vendors. I think they probably need to take more control of what they're doing um, from a security perspective. so you know the better the better groups that we deal with all have their own security procedures, their own uh, appointed uh, security and penetration testing partners. Um and actually getting through those um those security um tests and audits are actually quite uh, quite a substantial amount of the the sort of um pre-delivery or or whatever phase you want to call that. Um so and I think you know that will increasingly become the case. The contracts have certainly got longer. Um the penalties in the in the clauses have got more severe um for, for vendors such as ours. You know, as a result of that, we actually pushed our organisation through. ISO twenty seven thousand and one uh, over the last uh, year to you know to really make sure that as an organisation we're always thinking about the security side of things and and everything else. But you know, it's it's quite a dry area, but uh, nevertheless uh, quite important. Um uh, <laughs> yes, uh, it would. Sorry for the pun, but take the biscuit if. Uh, you were so to you have a security breach. A point, a pun. <laughs> That's good. It's very good. Okay, sorry about that. <laughs> I need, you know, I need
1: to get like a pun bell or something. Yeah. Oh yes, yeah, so
2: where's the pig?
1: Does the pig make no noise the pig anymore? Is, no, the pig doesn't make a noise anymore, and I had a carrot which made a noise, that doesn't make a noise anymore either.
2: So, <laughs> I wasn't aware carrots made noises, but <laughs> Well,
1: you'd be amazed. You'd be amazed. This okay. one is uh, particularly particularly angry looking <laughs> as well. Um, indeed. So it's, it's, that's the only point yes. it makes now, and that's not as much <laughs> of a deterrent as one would hope
0: <laughs> I'm intrigued as to um this is a regular topic um on our podcasts um because it will have escaped absolutely no one's attention whatsoever as the abhorrent staffing crisis that is affecting um, yes. our fine sector um and I note in the Telegraph recently uh perhaps even yesterday the staffing shortages could last for several years um so this isn't going to go away anytime soon um so there's labor shortages and then the and then the supply t- the supply chain disruption which is easier than it sounds to say at upstart on monday morning <laughs> um how how in your expert opinion might technology help these this little pickle we find ourselves in i
2: i personally find this one really interesting because uh, our slogan is uh, automate the ordinary Deliver the extraordinary, and uh, we actually nearly changed the first part of that statement, um, which is to automate the ordinary. Um, mainly because you know, until recently, uh, particularly in the luxury sector, people didn't want to hear about you know automation or necessarily you know making making roles um, surplus the requirements um, in terms of automating some of the tasks uh, that are there. Having said that, now, obviously, that's a major focus. Uh, so we we kept the phrase. Um, and actually, if you look at the role that technology can play, let, let's break down, for example, a concierge. Um, a good proportion of the requests coming into concierges, um, certainly in the past, were simple uh, restaurant bookings, um, car bookings, etc. So actually, through automation, you can take away a lot of that sort of mundane tasks um, and whether that's actually to help you become more efficient and and able to operate the hotel on fewer staff, then so be it. Otherwise it enables the staff to then spend more time on the the true value added things, uh, which are curating the content for the guests, you know, creating great experiences and all those things that, that you would expect. So I think what's happened, you know, over the course of the last um, year really is obviously with the staff shortage um, they are much, hotels are much more inclined to look at how they can make efficiencies and, and operate on a fewer number of staff. Um, but the principles still apply for me, which is, you know, there is a huge amount of potential um, for technology to to reduce um, the staff requirements. I mean, we've already talked about things like seamless and contactless check-in. You know, again, there are ways to, you know, to reduce the, the staff requirements in a number of areas um same with checkout um we obviously we specialize in in chat um so chatting with a hotel either over um messaging so any of the social channels or sms or any of those now one of the key things with that is a phone call is serial a a member of staff can only handle one phone call at one time uh, whereas uh in a world of chat they're able to respond to multiple guests um you know, in serial uh, or in parallel rather. Uh, so actually uh, just through that, I mean, when we, when we first um, launched chat into a large chain, everyone was really worried about the, you know, the, the burden on the staff. Actually, we found that it re- required no more staff. In fact, in many cases, less staff to respond to uh, the guest queries than, um, than before. So and it's and it really is down to that sort of parallel nature of of them being able to handle multiple tasks, you know, at a, a single point in time.
0: Thinking about how, so so we're talking about sort of streamlining costs and all that and all that fun stuff, which is where I I'm, I'm would imagine, having not been a, a hotel investor, but say I was a hotel investor, that's where my ears might start, start pricking up. Um, none of this talk about guests and whatnot, but dosh. Um, is this where is this where investors is where it gets interesting for them? Where it it starts to starts to kind of resonate? Um, and definitely. are there any other areas that investors sort of get a bit lively to technology?
2: I think we're about to undergo, you know, quite a period of change actually in the industry, and you you've started to see the signs of that, you know, already. Um, investors are definitely taking a more active role uh, in their assets. I mean, you know. They, they want to make money probably more than anyone. And uh, they definitely see technology now as much more of a, a lever to help them achieve that. And uh, so I think the, the owners and asset manager community are definitely putting more pressure on, on the groups uh, and want to see more technology delivered you know, to help them get a better return on investment. So, uh, and that comes through driving efficiencies. It's also about distribution. I mean, it's all the areas that you'd, uh, you'd imagine. I mean, uh, if you look at distribution, how that's changed over the last, you know, number of years, there are so many more options, you know, available um, now to, you know, to create, you know, a very good distribution uh, strategy very, very quickly and implement it very quickly. Um, so they're definitely putting the pressure on um yes it would i think you know increasingly it will be about staff efficiency as well um there is a slight challenge there in that uh, a lot of the new software models and you know ours the standard model included is is a saas model so it's a monthly operating cost uh, and that interferes with the uh, the PL of the hotels um so when you know asset managers and owners are trying to get a a multiple um on their you know, on their assets, um, it actually does interfere with that. So I think we'll start to see different uh, financial models as well for the software uh, that they need to drive, you know, to drive these changes. Um, So more, more capex, uh, which is a lot easier for them to justify uh, and then obviously gives them a better return on, on exit uh, from, from that particular deal. But yes, we, we've certainly seen, and we spend quite a lot of time talking to uh, asset managers and and owners and, uh, you know, the the interesting technology is rising, uh, and I think will will continue to rise. You know, over this next sort of cycle of activity.
0: Hurrah!
1: Pressure. Mm. <laughs> I find it <laughs> exhilarating that that finally there's something which is is good for investors, um, it's good for staffing and whatnot, and actually has benefit for the guests. The guests. The guests. I know. I know. Because <laughs> <laughs> you don't normally get that where all the world comes together. Because usually it's uh. you know we're not putting um, any more flowers on reception because it's too expensive, you
2: know. I, I agree. I think actually it's, it does feel like, you know, and actually in many ways the pandemic and the, the, the labour shortages are accelerating this debate. And, you know, I think it, it will drive an enormous amount of change, you know, over the next few years. And, you know, obviously biased again in terms of being in the technology sector, you know, I think it is, it's a very good thing for the sector. It is good for the guest. It is good for the operators, and it is good, um, you know, for the uh, for the owners as well. So, I think you're right. It is this sort of golden circle, or whatever you want to call it, um, that uh, hopefully will will drive positive change in the industry.
0: Um, can I ask you a little bit about luxury before we tr- trot along to the? questions that we ask everyone um well the trotting along is good because it means I can crowbar <laughs> in my pig story oh my goodness we haven't done the pig story you do the pig I story
1: must talk about it i do, must go on go for it <laughs> so i was reading i was reading yesterday in uh, latest in a series of ways in which brexit has gone wrong um and you, you know apparently there's other explanations for these things but the national pig association um uh, no and <laughs> has been co- was complaining to the today program i didn't pick this up on the today program i picked this up from the mirror so you know that you can Read that however you wish. But their chief executive, um, one Zoe Davis is a, a quote machine. Um, and she was complaining that um for she's she's very, very um Politically off off the pedal, she says, you know, for whatever reason, a lot of workers have left processing plants and gone home because a lot of them are Eastern European. So you can see if you can work out what she's trying to say there. I think it's very complicated. And um, the problem is that the number of pigs that are coming through, and this is obviously related because staffing, um, the number of pigs coming in um, can't be processed. So all the pigs, so everything on the pig side says is leading to a lot more farmers having to hold on to these pigs and having nowhere for them to go to be processed i.e. chopped up for your delicious eating pleasure um so that that's fine and there she said that the the nature of the the nature of farming was that um the process can't be slowed down because the animals are still coming through the system and the quote which I particularly enjoyed was even if we stopped mating the sows now it will take 10 to 11 months before the pigs stop coming (laughs) this this brilliant image of just all these pigs just like flooding out of some conveyor belt the pigs the pigs won't stop coming and um and uh, and it it thrilled me absolutely no end and there were some terrible comments about um, about europe and how you get cheap pork there and how everyone would be buying it so they're processing it here but as a as a follow-up to that and, and kind of proof that we aren't all as globally joined as as we originally thought we were i mentioned this story to someone um um because it was hilarious with the pigs coming and, <laughs> and i can't stop talking about it but um they they know somebody who works for Sanofi, who and they said, oh, we're, they're also suffering from terrible pig shortage because apparently there's a medicine that you make from pig intestines. Um, I know. And, uh, and uh, it so it how cow can pole. there possibly be a pig shortage? Possibly. Well, I don't care if it is No yeah, Neither <laughs> do I. But, uh, but uh, so, this, uh, so well, this is ridiculous because apparently we have this, like, you know, in the UK, there's an excessive volume of pigs. They won't stop coming. And, uh, and so how can you possibly be suffering from a lack of pigs? But apparently Sanofi get all their pigs intestines from china where they're having a swine flu outbreak ah, so they super. are lacking in pigs on the one side and so you look at this and you think so you're lacking in pigs you have too many pigs if only there was some route if only there was only some kind of global britain solution that might be available here i don't know but then it goes back to the sector seamlessly because you've got to look at what so are the problems with that we've seen throughout the sector and throughout the pandemic is that people have been working in the sector and then they've seen another way and so it's possible that Many, as the lovely Zeri Davis said, many of these uh, processors have gone to Eastern Europe or gone somewhere else, uh, gone essentially home. But maybe also there's quite a lot of people who've gone, you know what, maybe there's something else I can do with my day that would be more pleasant than pulling intestines out of pigs. Um, and, you as know, to what that could be. I, I can't imagine myself. <laughs> But, and if only I lived in the UK and I could change jobs, but, um, but yes, you do. The, the parallels were there to be seen, I thought, but in it's the only kind of way that I could possibly cry about this together was that for the hotels, of course, the guests keep coming. There's no way to stop them. See, see, see.
2: People need a break.
1: People need a break. There's no stopping them. And, you know, and they will go somewhere else, possibly to China to have their intestines removed.
2: <laughs> That's where
1: I'd go if it was required.
2: You, you are a font of pig knowledge. Catherine. Completely,
1: completely. <laughs> and, and i refer you back to the lovely Zoe Davis for more detail. I should be following her constantly from now on. The I like keep coming. And, I, <laughs> and I think you should see what's come on the podcast, quite frankly. I think so too. I think she's got I think there's lots that the hospitality sector can learn. We're I always think so. look at you know, we're always looking to other sectors for leadership. And um it's time to we look outside, it's time to look to pigs. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it really is. I don't see why that can't uh, happen. And we should make the it. The pigs keep coming.
2: I, I see the analogy though. It, it's definitely
0: it was clear to me. <laughs> on the luxury front, Triss, how does... Um, this is going to seem like a very sort of flippant question, but you'll ask it. I can go it. back to talking about pig's intestines. <laughs> <laughs> that would help.
2: It's, I'm not I'm sure, sure. we can, I can tie it together it. somehow. Do you want to, you want to <laughs> yeah. raise
0: the tone? Could you link it back, please, to pig intestines? Um, but on the luxury front... Um, uh, how, how does the technology help to improve that customer service? I mean, you'll 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 see my point, but you just just answer it. It's an obvious question, but I think it requires um, it be useful to talk about it. The technology side delivering a, an, an exceptional customer experience. How does it all kind of come together and create something better than a pig's testing? So <laughs> nothing is better.
2: <laughs> I knew it could be tied together. There we go. Um, <laughs> so. I mean, for us, it all started with, with chat. I mean, in in terms of just customers don't want to pick up the phone anymore. They, you know, they do their business on their phones. They chat to their friends on their phones. Um, they want to, you know, message the hotel in the way that, you know, they message everyone else. Um, you know, so really, I think it comes down to, you know, making your services available, um, to the guests in the way they want to, to consume them. And, uh, you know, whether that is, you know, booking a table at the restaurant in the evening, or my favorite use case is uh, arranging late checkout when I literally cannot get out of bed. Um, so uh, without having to pick up the phone, um, you know, th- those are some of the key, key things. And then being able to, you know, make everything available seamlessly in a digital itinerary. So it's just easy. Uh, for the guest to consume. They know the status of the booking. They know if it's been confirmed or not. They don't have to constantly keep checking. You know, all those sort of very small things all add up to, you know, a seamless experience. And, you know, actually uh, McKinsey did some good research about customer satisfaction in general. And it's not, um, it's all those little interactions that actually add together to create uh, the overall perception of of customer experience it 's not one thing that sort of blows it all out. so if you have an exceptional experience on check in but a terrible checkout experience that's unfortunately impacted the whole uh the whole perception of of customer satisfaction across across the patch so it is adding together all those little things um, and obviously technology now is is part of the way the way people lead their everyday lives. So it is part of of what people expect and how they want to interact, you know, with with luxury hotels. And you know, if we look at the the chat volumes um, as a result of uh, the pandemic, have just increased and increased and increased. So, you know, although the number of guests in the middle of the pandemic were significantly reduced, there were actually more messages being sent uh, than ever before. Um, so, three times or so uh, the number of messages per guest, uh, mainly because. You know, it's a very easy way for them to uh, to interact with the property, and also they need a lot more information. Um, so, when is the restaurant open? Do I need to book? You know, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so, for me, it's it, it's very much around using technology to help all those bits be seamlessly stitched together. Um, and actually, with if you look at behind the scenes in a property to do that is actually very difficult because there are so many different systems. There's a spa system, there's a restaurant booking system, there's, you know, your PMS and all the rest of it. But actually the um, things like chat can act as a layer of abstraction between all of those systems. So to the guest, it actually becomes seamless. Um, And that's obviously, although it's a bit of smoke and mirrors sometimes because not all of those systems are seamlessly integrated behind the scenes. um, Actually what they see is a seamless experience because they, you know, that's what they're interacting with. So, you know, it is, it is a very good way of, of being able to, um, to deliver that experience very quickly. I
0: think that sounds like a mighty fine idea. You should definitely do it.
2: Again, <laughs> biased, but yes.
0: <laughs> Catherine, do you have any other pig-related information, or shall we move along to the final the no, questions? That's it for that's it for me and pigs. Okay, until next week. I'm sure there might be there might be further pig-related. I imagine there'll be further further developments. That if that lovely lady can come up with some more quotes before next week, that'd be smashing. Okay, so Tris, we ask all our guests these questions. um the first one being, when the shutters came up and I had the jabs in my arm, the first thing I did was?
2: Uh, sadly, it was going and meet my friends at the pub for a drink. Triumphant, sad. not, not that sad. sad. No, Well, it wasn't sad. I was absolutely, couldn't wait. Um, so yes, it was nice to get back to a little bit of normality. Um, I did manage to get in a, a quick staycation. Uh, and then, you know, more recently, obviously, uh, nipped away for a week, which was nice just to hear a different language uh, every oh, day. No, I
0: know. And I, too, enjoyed a, a, a holiday to foreign parts this summer and 37 and a half minutes worth of form filling per person, um, of which very few were read, but anyway. Um, and just hearing other people's languages and absorbing a different culture and you just that's, it was all worth it we totally remembered why we do it, it is, and it's
1: also it's good because um i find it quite relaxing not being able to understand other people and hearing their stupid comments <laughs> so when you go somewhere foreign and you don't understand the language you just think oh look at these lovely people is it that- <laughs> the train you can't hear what asinine things they're saying to each other yes. it's just <laughs> lovely i just love it just gentle sort of murmuring <laughs> exactly the oh i don't know what you're saying i'm sure it's something completely ridiculous <laughs> it's interesting
2: though i mean we, we had a scenario so I, i've actually only been on one business trip uh kind of since everything uh opened up and and actually it was someone that was supposed to come to the uk but uh their vaccine wasn't recognized in the uk so they would have had to have quarantined So instead Mm. of that, we all went to Paris for
1: Uh. for the meeting
2: instead. So I think we're going to get all these sort of weird scenarios for a little bit of, you know, which vaccines are are recognised, which aren't. And, you know, I think people's travel patterns will definitely be on the business side anyway, maybe affected by that for a little bit uh, to come. So it could be be interesting. We're, We're trying to find some good Maybe next time we'll, we'll head to the south of France. <laughs> so. It's important
1: to find
0: welcoming third countries in these scenarios. <laughs> That's right.
2: Exactly. So.
0: Um, okay, next question. The very best thing about the hotel sector is?
2: I think if I answered any differently, to say that actually it's being able to sample uh, the product... Um, that is definitely the best thing about the industry. I mean, I personally love to travel. I think most people that, that work in the sector do. Um, the the slight downside is it does give you a very critical eye. Uh, so, and it's very hard to uh, not observe some of these things as you as you stay in various hotels. Um, and, uh, you know, it, it, uh, it. I try not to let it diminish the experience, but sometimes it is <laughs> somewhat frustrating. Uh, when you know what should be happening and, and what isn't happening, um, but uh, it's definitely you know being able to sample the product, and you know there are so many different hotels around the world, and uh, it is fantastic to be able to to go and see some of those and, and experience you know what they have to offer.
0: Absolutely. So on the flip side, then the hotel sector would be significantly improved if. <sighs>
2: They embrace technology properly, of course. So, <laughs> <absolutely. Yes. laughs> um, but I, I do yes. find it amazing. I mean, I, in you know, like most people, I'm sure uh, you know, invest a little bit uh, here and there. And I have a, a golden rule when I invest: in that I don't invest in any company that doesn't have a technology representative at the leadership team uh, or board level. And uh, if you look at the hotel sector, there are so few that have a technology representative. Uh, at that leadership team level, and quite often it still comes through finance, so it's still seen as a cost uh, rather than something that can truly add value. And obviously, there there is a a big sort of wrangle between sort of marketing and you know and and finance potentially. But uh, you know, I think until they really start to embrace technology, then you know we we won't see some of the improvements that I think are there to be made. And you know, things like the pandemic and you know staff shortages are are really i think bringing that into focus
0: absolutely what about um what the industry needs now is
2: a better understanding of their customers <laughs> um it's uh, it's amazing how bad even though they have things like crm systems you know in the background uh, their general level of understanding uh of their customers is appalling and uh <laughs> You know and i'm shocked i mean one of my favorite things to do is you know wh- whoever we work with to try and check out my own profile and see what they've got on me and uh, i'm almost always underwhelmed uh, by the information that they have an information i've offered and volunteered to them in the past uh, is very often not captured properly um or not reflective of the sort of context uh, that i'm operating in so You know, I'm a very different guest when I'm uh, traveling for business uh, to when I'm traveling, um, you know, as a couple or or with the family. Uh, So being able to understand the difference and the context to my trip is critical in being able to deliver a better service to me uh, as a customer. And so I think, you know, although they've talked about it for a long time, I still think, you know, there's a huge amount of improvement uh, needed in, in the way hotels understand their customers.
0: And do you think this is down to just not having? You mentioned um, a lot of the brands or a lot of the operators don't have a, a, a tech person at the board level. Do you think this is sort of lack of having people who, like data scientists, people who can understand this? This because we've talked a lot, haven't we, historically about? I don't think it's because they don't have the data. They have the data in a lot of situations. They're just not. They're not analysing it. They're not you're not converting it into information. It's just reams and reams and reams of, of data. And you're exactly right. If I bang on about purpose of stay one more time, we'll lose all the listeners that we have. But <laughs> that is exactly right. We have each of us have four or five different potential um, sort of guises purposes of our stay. And it wouldn't it would take not an enormous amount of effort to work that out and then tailor it. And just imagine the experience. that They're like. Monumental shift in how spectacular that experience would be with just a very small amount of effort let's do I, I it know. just do it I, great i couldn't
2: couldn't agree more and you know i i really do think it's something that that needs to be improved and i think the you know the hotels that do start to do that will see a, a considerable advantage um
1: doesn't this take us all back to pig's um
2: (laughs) clearly yes
1: (laughs) (laughs) in 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 as much as um the hotel sector needs so much more than just 800 thread count sheets and somebody smiling you at the door but much as the same way that you all the best accountants don't go and work for the revenue and i can now look forward to that kicking back in my ass (laughs) it's very hard if you're a data scientist are you thinking i must go and work in the hotel sector that is just the place for me how does the sector do this how can you attract people by saying look at all the stuff you can do when there's not
2: yeah i think you have to start by asking the right questions and i think most hotels aren't asking the right questions you know and data scientists are at their best when you ask them a really good question and give them the data to uh, to go and be able to answer that that question and uh, you know i I think only now are you know some of the hotels that we work with starting to ask the right sort of questions um so I think you know we we have a number of data scientists and actually I don't think they would go and work directly for a, a hotel group, but because we have lots of different challenges for them to work on, um, actually it keeps their day, you know, very interesting. So we recently hired someone whose previous job was camouflaging tanks. So using uh, AI to work out how to camouflage tanks in certain um, certain scenarios. So um, Ooh, like how? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> fascinating problems <laughs> uh, that we, we never knew. Mm. Um, but you know the, those skills actually are extremely applicable to uh, the hotel sector <laughs> if am. you ask the right questions <laughs> <laughs> so how do you point. identify that one guest out of all those many that you need to focus on but mm. uh, you know so i i think the data scientists are just uh almost the cherry on top i think there's got to be a thirst for knowledge um, right across the hotels from operations wanting to know more about their customers through, you know, to marketing, wanting to either, you know, be able to target or, um, or otherwise. And they've got to be asking the right questions. Only then is there something interesting for the, the data scientists to actually, you know, work with.
0: You raise a valid point. Um, and so what I'd like to think is absolutely the right question is the last question we have to ask you, which is, I'd like to think we've learned from this.
2: I'd like to think that, you know, again, um, that technology is a critical part of delivering um, service in a hotel. And uh, I also like to think that, you know, we all, we've we also learned that the, the sector is resilient. Uh, the sector, you know, does bounce back. And, uh, you know, I think not, not panicking too much. Uh, there was definitely a, a lot of panic Uh, across the industry. And, and, you know, we saw it in our order book, you know, in terms of, you know, what happened, you know, as the the pandemic started to hit. hit. Um, But, you know, the sector is resilient. People do love to travel. And, uh, you know, people need a break from from their day-to-day lives. I think business travel will return as well in some form. Um, You know, it's probably not going to be what it was before. Um, but uh, with people working, you know, now more frequently away from home, actually there are other use cases for, you know, the use of hotels that uh, probably didn't exist quite to the same extent uh, pre-pandemic. So I, I think, you know, overall, uh, I'd like to think that, you know, people are starting to recognise the value that technology can add and uh, also that, you know, it is a great sector and uh, it is resilient and will be around hopefully for for many, many millennia to come
0: absolutely otherwise it's the pig's intestines job for us so
2: <laughs> i'm yeah. not volunteering anytime soon <laughs> no, no.
0: <laughs> so, so. Uh, tris that was thrilling in every way thank you so much for your time genuinely Pleasure. interested um i'm still not entirely convinced that dark chocolate digestives are the way forward but that leaves more for you so you know we well, we're we're just, give, we're just gonna give it a go <laughs> exactly I, I say this without having tried them so i i stand i stand willing to be corrected um Interesting to have interesting to have that viewpoint, though. I appreciate I it. I shall
2: make sure I bring some <laughs> with me next time I see you. Super.
0: Thank <laughs> you. Thank you for your time. Catherine, thank you. As always, the, the pig chat was on a another I, level. I know. Top notch. Many, many thanks, indeed. It's
1: important to look outside
0: the sector. Always, know. yes. I think we've all learned yes. something today. Thank you, everybody, well, for, thank for you listening. Thank you, and thank you to Tris. Absolutely. And thank you, everyone, thank for you listening. Guys. Could you go and do whatever you need to do on Spotify and Apple Podcasts? By the time we have our next podcast, I'll work out what it is you need to do. I think you've got to subscribe, leave reviews, poke around there, make us look great. That would be thrilling in every way. Many thanks indeed. Oh, (laughs) that's (laughs) that's the end of the podcast. (laughs) Until next time. So that concludes our thoughts for this week. Thank you to everyone involved in creating this episode and providing something for your ears whilst walking the dog, washing the cat, chopping the veg, or however else you pass the time while podcasting. Please do
1: review and subscribe if you get your ear entertainment via Apple, or follow new tricks if your ear delight comes from Spotify. These things make a difference, apparently. Until next time.